Friends, welcome back to another uh, standing episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. The oh, show yeah. We, <laughs> the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic, grimy, grimy magic this week. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and no one in this film, not a single person in this film. Oh, it's Alex Dandino, Governor. Yes, sir, it is. Yep. You're welcome. You're welcome for you're, that. You're welcome for that one, that, everyone. That kind dodge at the start. That is uh, the only accent I'll be doing this entire show. <laughs> we are pumped. We have a, a new month, uh, a Patreon, our new Patreon stuff. We've got a new theme. The numbers have been great, guys. Everything is really? exciting right now. Really appreciate Before it. we start in and introduce this month's curation, a little bit of business, people. It's official. The Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Film alchemist pod the absolute best way to support the show an absolute great way to make By sure the, way, the show Griff, happy year anniversary on uh patreon ooh, ooh. yeah well this is probably the last episode because we're rich as shit now we're <laughs> i don't even have enough to buy one of those tiny houses neither here nor there uh guys for as little as a dollar a month you get in you join the community you see what we're working on meet our awesome friends over there and as you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, if you become a Highlander of the show, you can program a double feature specifically. You got your full-length movie commentaries. You got your Patreon-exclusive votes. Uh, you get access to vote on all kinds of stuff for us. We want to hear from you. I'm actually, I'll say it out loud. I don't know if I've said it because we always record out of order and way in ahead. Uh, we are talking about starting a Tales from the Crypt show where we're going to watch every episode of tales from the crypt do many episodes, maybe stuff like black mirror we'll add some more content there alex is working on some ideas so we got a lot of cool shit over there and a lot guys of fun. every single dollar helps us out enormously and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it and just the moment we have here at the top of the show so thank you from the bottom of our hearts for those of you who support us over at film alchemist uh pod or patreon.com slash pod. That's the one. Sorry, I can't get the horrifying images of this movie out yeah. of my head. Uh, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Uh, for those of you who are about to support us, thank you as well. Uh, we assure you we're working hard to make it worth your time and your dollars. Make sure you go to YouTube. Subscribe to our channel over there. It's called Film Alchemist. You can see our beautiful face. See, I'm rocking a mustache now. Like we're just, yeah, You've got a we're mustache. Just trying shit. I'm just straight bearding. We're just trying shit, man. You know what I mean? We're just like, once you hit the top of the mountain, you're like, well, I got to do if something. If you're on YouTube, you, of course, here. know Nick Cage watches over us all. My pillow sham. And Shorty. And Shorty. My killer clown from outer space. <laughs> but yeah, so YouTube, Film Alchemist. Uh, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials you're on. Something easy you can do for us that takes but a moment uh, and costs you nothing but a little kindness. Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show. Out. Write us a sentence or two about why you like spending time with us over at the, the pub. No, that's it. That's enough business. Guys, we're just excited. We're just excited tonight. I love starting new months, man. I love the first episode of a new month is good. And then by the end of it, we kind of all look like Dustin Hoffman at the end of this movie. It's like, oh, but what's oh. good is we're starting with this movie for this new month. So we can really just like go up from here. <laughs> yeah, we fucking... Uh, this is this is a classic example of how movies change with you as you age. I'll put it that way. Uh, so this month's theme, The Pod Gets Bad Neighbors. So these are all movies about 
uh, people, families uh, of all walks of life who get new neighbors or move into a place and are not greeted kindly by the pieces of shit that surround You've had a bad their neighbor, neighbor haven't you? We all have. Oh, my God. I I am actually lucky in my neighborhood now. I have pretty awesome neighbors. That's great. I have terrible but neighbors. I've had a pretty consistent run of dog shit neighbors for my whole life. So those, my new neighbors, I do appreciate you, and this will never happen to us. Uh, so we are starting tonight's uh, theme with Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs, a movie I absolutely love. I think the filmmaking of this movie is just outstanding. It's one of those movies that I like to just rewatch scenes of to see how Peck and Paul lays out this story, right? I will say this. The last time I'd watched this movie in total uh, was probably film school. Yep. It's one of those you get in, you start hearing, like, who are the important directors, right? Inevitably, Sam Peck and Paul comes up. Watched it. When I, I remember as a younger guy watching Straw Dogs, and my takeaway was like, wow, what an awesome, violent, action-y movie. And just kind of hadn't like really all the way thought about the deep, horrifying trauma at the core of this film. So now I'm watching it for the pod, right? We're getting ready for the pod. And, uh, you know, Amy's going to watch with me, my wife, right? She thought she'd also seen it. Was like, yeah, I love that movie. Let's watch it. Alex, I cannot tell you the last time I felt such ire from my wife <laughs> than from watching Straw Dogs. Mm. When the moment happens, like she's pretty uncomfortable the whole movie, right? This is like a new viewing experience for us. And we're all like, okay, this is tense. It's on edge. Mm. Some shit's not landing, right? When the, the moment happens, right? The big moment that we'll save to the end of the pod, right? Um, She was so uncomfortable and so mad this hit so close to home for her and as the movie ends she just was not getting satisfactory answers to the questions of why mm -hmm. and i totally get that and i i think one of the things now that i appreciate is that on the surface this is a pretty relatable you know person trying to protect their home kind of movie from these you know it's like a lord of the flies tale right what happens when you move to the middle of nowhere there's a thin facade of rules and bounds, and then all that shit gets thrown asunder, right? Right. Watching it now, you are struck so much by it. That's not really what this movie... In the same way, Lord of the Flies is also kind of about the issues of the unworshipped male ego. That's what this movie is, and how everyone becomes a victim of a man who feels like he's not put atop the mountain. Right. And it's pretty staggering in its questions and implications, uh, I, I found it fascinating, if not grotesque. Uh, Alex, your opening thoughts on Stradogs. That's a really good way to put it. Fascinating yet grotesque. I would, I would agree with that assertion, actually. I also saw this. It wasn't assigned to me, but I did have this thing. Like when I moved to, uh, after Ball State, I moved out to San Diego State. And I just sort of like, cause I, I hadn't, I wasn't able to get immediately into film school. So like, I just went to the library and they had a very good collection of DVDs. Oh, yeah. So I just started doing my own film history course. So I literally was like, you know what? I haven't seen that movie, that movie. So I would watch like Badlands and, you know, Badlands and a bunch of like Alfred Hitchcock stuff, like things that I had like not, that I knew I needed to see, hadn't watched like that kind of thing. So Straw Dogs obviously popped up. 
I was not because Westerns are not really my thing. So the wild bunch never like caught me. Wild bunch is a good movie. I don't have a problem with it at all, but straw dogs. I remember seeing it and being very visceral. The experience watching it the first time. That is probably the most apt adjective for this film. This time I did not watch with my wife on purpose because I did remember what happened in the middle of it. And then afterwards she was like, actually today when we were, uh, going to work she was like what are you guys talking about tonight? I'm like well we're, we're talking about this movie and then uh we're talking about straw dogs she's like straw dogs have i seen straw dogs I'm like no you have not no yeah. you have not watched yeah. straw dogs uh yeah i mean on the surface there's just i think what's interesting about straw dogs is there's about 10 different ways to like think about the implications of what the movie actually is and like i really do think and you're right Wherever you are at in your life, that is the moment that you watch Straw Dogs and that's what you pull from the movie. Like, I'm 35. I have a wife and kid. Like, I live in I live my life the way I live my life. I live in L.A. I don't like my neighbors very much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there is yeah. this level of, like, David Sumner, I think, that runs through anybody who, especially in the last two years, if you've had to work from home. Like, I've wor- I worked from home during the That's bulk, a good point i didn't think about during that. the bulk of <laughs> during the bulk of lockdown i was lucky enough to continue working and i worked through i worked all the way through and i worked from home and it was it was a lot and there is this like level of i think relatability to david sumner in a way that you're like okay this is someone who's trying to he's trying to make the best of a situation that he thought was going to be rad and then was not at all like it's like he got yeah. there and didn't realize the place kind of sucked, but again, it's hard because David- I would even I would relens that right. Is that the movie starts with oh, here's a nice American chap going over to this place where he's an outsider, right? Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be a struggle, right? Your point about he doesn't re- he thinks it's gonna be rad and doesn't realize it is. That's how I felt about Dustin Hoffman this time. Yeah. I was like, he is just a shit bag of a partner. Yeah, he's not, not a good husband at all. He he's not. And this is the thing, right? I because I I think the movie starts on a pretty flat surface, right? Mm-hmm. He's just a guy who's moving here with his wife. He's open, he's just a right? Fish out of water. She's, you know, and this we will we will come back to this comment a lot, but this movie, I don't think this is the worst male pov movie right as far as it blocks us from understanding the plight of the women in the movie but the movie does start right off with here is just a fucking right down main street shot of a lady who doesn't wear bras and her being ogled yes right children being ogled uh you know by the town creep all right so it's it's letting you know that a lot of these men have this predatory vibe yeah there is not david not David. No, and I think that's what makes the movie that much more fascinating at the onset is because there is this like tightrope act that goes on. Like everything is on edge. Like and any other movie I think where fuck and it's sad, I can't remember the movie the t- I can't believe I forgetting the title of the movie um that I'm thinking of. We watched it during I don't remember. We watched it during Creepy Kids Month. Um <laughs> That also takes place in a weird little London town or England town. But, oh, uh, Village of the Damned. Thank you. 
Jesus Christ, yeah. just kill me. Yeah. So like <laughs> Village of the Damned is another one. Um where it's just it plays on your assumptions of what, oh, a sleepy English town might be. Yeah. Obviously this place is filled with people who are keeping secrets, are not necessarily on the up and up. This kind of this kind of life that maybe the reason they're living in the middle of nowhere is because the middle of nowhere is probably the safest for them to be. And then you have this American dude who, yeah, he's trying to fit in. He's trying to be nice. He's trying to, and this is what's great about the way Peckinpah sets all this up is we start meeting David and we all want to know immediately what is David's deal. Cause like everyone else clearly has a deal. They're Oglin titties or they're Oglin children or whatever. What is the deal with the guy who's like trying really hard to be nice to everyone? Why is he trying to be really like there's you spend the entire movie, obviously, until the end wondering what is the damage? Like, what's the deal? Like, why is he this way? Like, what's happening in his life that makes him? And But it's not even that. It's never it's not I, put in, on front street I like I think everyone what else. it is, right? It's is very again, interesting. The, the opening sets it up like he's the nice guy, right? He's like not threatened by her ex-boyfriend externally, right? Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you can come help with the garage, whatever." He goes in to buy his smokes, right? Old man Tom's right. just fucking smacking glasses and being a dick. And he's like, you know, paying for his own cigarette, double paying, right, for the trouble, right? He's a good guy. They unload that so fast, right? Like when they're driving home and you know, the wife tries to, you know, run him off the road and Tom and the boys are like, ah, as they start driving at one point when they pull up to the house, right? She reaches down for like his belt line, you know, and like a, Hey, sexy time. He is really yeah. defensive of that moment. Right. And almost from the moment they get in that house, you see the way, right. And it has a lot to do with like, she, she put the heater in the middle of the house. That's mine. That's my office. Yeah, by the way, because here's what happens, right? They start us off with this. He's the good, normal guy, right? He's like the Jimmy Stewart in a Hitchcock movie, right? He's a good man who's going to be in over his head. As soon as that fucking door closes, we see it start to slip in the inadequacies that David cannot confront in life, right? Ex-boyfriend's running up, riding on you, right? Um, And I can't tell him to fuck off, so I'm going to fucking bitch at you about the heater. We see that he has become this, this bully to her in this house that this is the domain behind closed doors we see the man he actually wishes he were to the other men that don't appreciate him as one of the group and it's it just is something that i thought it was more of a slow burn and he just was a guy who was fed up which is definitely a part of this film but i would argue he is a bully right away and that you get the sense that because they mentioned this incident in America, right, where he he just didn't stand up, so he's coming here to fucking hide. And I think that constant, right, the constant David not saying shit about the issues at hand, right, to these fucking just right out on front seat creeps, right. The rat guy stealing her panties, they're just fucking not working on his house. They're just rubbing it in his fucking face. I mean, just it, it escalates obviously, but right up front, you know that this is something you. He should say something. He should get it out. He can't. So then he begins to just fucking torment her. And it's just insane, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's just this festering. It's this festering wound. And, like, it's the thing that, like, you know, you and I have been married 
we've been together with our lives for a very long time. Like it's the kind of thing like you've got to talk about. Like there's like, and I thought about this too when I was watching it. Like because culturally also, and I've talked to you know I've asked British friends about this kind of thing as well. Like culturally. A lot of British people, they don't like we talk about stuff. Like I talk about with my wife when I have a problem, she tells me there's a level of not discussing. I think your that's problems. a generational thing. thing. That's like how my family was. I would <laughs> I would say it's a generational thing, but I also know there is a level of there's also a level I mean, prob- of there's a but cultural David's level. David's not to it as like well. she's saying and everything. David's American. I mean, he should fucking know better. Right. But she's also in her hometown. He, she's comfortable. Like, I think David's always been this way. I think that's the interesting thing is, like, David is a repressed personality anyways. So putting him in a situation where not only is he already a repressed personality, but he has to, like, contend with the fact that literally nobody gives him any respect whatsoever is – and. To their credit, they shouldn't. He's an asshole. Like, honestly, right. he's, like, not a pleasant person to be around. Like, it's a weird thing, that opening scene. when he Like, when he goes in to get cigarettes, I don't know. It's just such a, like, that exchange between him and his wife feels so disjointed. And I'm like, that is not how married people right. talk to each other. It's very strange. It's a very peculiar way he, like, speaks to everybody. But then her particularly, it's almost, and she points it out in the movie, like, yeah, like, she he's super condescending. To like everyone, it's a very peculiar. It's a very peculiar thing for someone to, who's you're assuming is gonna be mm-hmm. like your person to walk through this movie with, to kind of like, not like at the top. To be honest with you, like really not enjoy their like company at the beginning of this movie. Again, it's yeah. I think it's uh, an interesting choice to make him American too, right? Because they even talk like, oh, America, that's tough. Have you seen like knives? Well, he's like only between commercials, but there is this. So this is a right, wealthy yeah. guy. He is unlocking the mysteries of the universe, a mathematician. He feels like he is important, right? There is this this idea of the American alpha right. male man, whatever the fuck that shit is. And David just doesn't fit into these these archetypes, right? His blackboard is constantly used against him to insult him, right? Um, he can't mm-hmm. fucking throw... Yeah, I love it's that, great by because the way. That's like one of my favorite little is, motifs. She, he's just fucking around, fucking around, right? He's throwing things at the cat. He's just like a weird fucking guy, right? And there's a scene when he 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 says to his wife, he's yeah. like, I, I love you, Amy, but I want you to leave me alone, right? Don't play games with me. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking mad that he is not worshipped right he wants to be this guy that everyone stops and parts ways for him he's a man who feels he has x amount of self-worth and it's not allowed right so his wife becomes this this engine of she tries to grab his cock right um she can fuck up his board right her cat is annoying him you know oh her ex-boyfriend's building the garage slowly to the point, this this is a really great moment in the movie where this kind of comes to a head. She's mad, and she comes back right in the car. And as she's trying to get out of this low-riding car, the guys are just sitting on the roof, and they see her panties, right? And these guys, the way it's shot, Peck and Paul does this in the yeah. movie constantly, right? These fucking, it's like a nature shot of these lions, like, licking their chops. They're not even hiding that these are just fucking yeah. buzzards, right? 
like this movie has the most like because they try to replicate this in a lot of movies now when they're trying to like reference this not straw dogs but reference this like look it's this like zoom in quality that really Mm -hmm. is hard to replicate in movies now i don't know why but maybe it's because like it feels dated and we've seen it's done to such effect already like robert altman did it a lot too which is so cool but it's the same vibe and it does like it is this like nature documentary thing. It's, I don't know what that it's, is. Uh, it's but unfurling it is, it is, this myth of we are civilized. That David can unpack the mysteries of the universe, but does he thinks he can avoid the laws of nature here, right? And so she comes in the house and she's like, you know, God, they right, might as right. well have been licking me, right? A very visceral image. And David's fucking retort is, why don't you wear a bra? What do you expect? And it's, you fucking what the fuck these dudes are on your in your front yard building a garage and they are eyeball i'm not saying he's got a will smith it right and just run around and start fucking smacking motherfuckers but there is a a lack of concern for her safety well i think that's the problem i was like this is like the really this is the part that i was just like dude what the fuck is your problem like it's not even a lack like it's a lack of concern for her safety but more to the point it's it's a redirection in the wrong way like basically it's Mm -hmm. like when you get in a fight with your wife and you take the opportunity (laughs) to bring up the other thing i never start sorry i don't do that my wife has done that for me before verbal but like but that's that's what that is it's like instead of actually saying like well, they are like lecherous assholes. We should probably just get rid yeah. of them. It's like, well, you don't wear a bra. You never wear a bra. Like, it's that conversation you're supposed to have in private, and all of a sudden it becomes about something completely different. Like, who gives a yeah. shit if she doesn't wear it's a bra? Also, She's in a fucking house. Fuck like, off. Leave her alone. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and this is one of those. Yeah. The fuck's your problem? It's not even as much about her safety, Also, come on, right? man. She's not wearing it's a bra. About, be cool. He doesn't validate her feelings as a human being. That she should be able to walk from her car to her house yeah. without feeling violated like someone fucking licked her. And he immediately says, I don't want to deal right. with this. Cause then I will feel as she says, right? Like if you could hammer a nail and then all of a sudden he's got his dander up about his manhood, right? The movie constantly pairs this with a real mm-hmm. serious issue with the wife. And then David just feeling like he's not manly enough. Well, there's a lot of this, like, it's so weird because I watched this. Um, I watched this after I watched <laughs> I watched that Ben Affleck movie Deep Water, which is not very good. Um, but so like this concept of masculinity and like emasculation from other men towards your wife like really comes into play, and like that's honestly it's informed a lot of like how I feel about this movie, which is like if you're not secure enough in your own masculinity. And you don't understand how to handle, like, other people, like, catcalling your wife and that kind of stuff. Because, like, for me, like, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this, too. Like, when you're married to someone and someone, mm-hmm. like, is a creep, you fucking let them, you you know. I mean, me personally, I'm not going to go out and, you know, beat him with a hot you poker. You can also just say, hey, don't come back somewhere. to my fucking house. But what I am going to do. Yeah. 
Exactly. What I am going to say is like, get the fuck out of here. Like there's like, there's a very reasonable conversation to have. And that's an understood rule in society is like, don't do that to another man. Don't do that don't to another do person. Don't just do that to spouse, anyone, period. man. Like if they were but doing that to David, it, that's fucked up too, Just don't right? do like, that anyways. Mind your fucking business. This is the thing though, right? The line he says is well, yeah, there's like, no mind place Mind your to fucking hide. business. I think the problem is that David is trying to hide in academia and wealth and these things that will give him status, right? There's a scene later in the movie where David is just bullying the pastor because now he's in equal footing with another non-physical male entity. And you see David doing the exact same shit these guys are doing to him. He's bullying the shit out of this man, right? And just trying to belittle him and make him feel less than. And you, again, I think that's the thing that never sat on me is how constantly David is redirecting anguish at everyone around him, right? And that scene actually comes to fruition in one of these right. these moments of the film that I think gets a bad rap, right? Is she walks right upstairs and just takes her fucking shirt off. And she's just walking around in her underwear. And she mm -hmm. stops at the window and fucking looks directly at the workers. To me, that moment speaks to a, I will not be scared, right? If my husband's scared, I'm not fucking scared. This is my fucking house. I will not let any of you fucking right. put that on me. I think some people have a less genuine critique of this movie. I mean, again, this is like the that's this is like what makes the movie polarizing because, like, again, I I'm generally the one who does the research and reads things about these movies when we watch them, and like, I can tell you, like, and it's not hard. Like, it takes a single Google to tell you like this movie yeah was very controversial when it came out not for the reasons we'll talk about later but also because of what we're talking about now which is like the victimization of women and not only that but like yeah. framing it so keenly through a male gaze but i agree with you i actually don't think that that that's exactly right. how i felt and this moment. is the thing i think the i think the movie gets a lot of flack for this is kind of like a male fantasy like a sick male fantasy right I don't I don't see it as that, right? Man. No, no, no. You know what I mean, I though, right? It's like they're, they're fucking bad movie. guys. Jesus. And I, I think this movie. No, I know like, what you mean. There, there's a, a fucking totally degenerate understand. group out there that's like, oh, she's calling out to the ex or, you know, whatever. She's doing this to get back at her husband. It's like, no, man. And I, I think to me when I watch this film and, you know, this is not going to be everyone's experience. That's why it's polarizing. I, I think the overt, right. not even male POV, but just male fucking, like, burning gaze, right, that looks at women in almost a hateful manner this entire film. And, in fact, we don't even see another adult woman, I mm -hmm. don't think, until the scene with the priest, right? So this is just her amongst these fucking monsters, right? Right? Yeah, she I is the, the pig's head in Lord of the Flies, just like, yeah. wow, look at these fucking kids going nuts. Exactly, and I think it's just one of those you see. So I, I think the constant and pervasive toxic male stare is supposed to be something that is illustrating how everyone becomes a casualty of that mindset, not trying to degrade and take away the victimization, right? right? So. The big right. fucking scene. Let's get out of the way, right? The, this scene has this scene has a an unbearable to watch talk sequence. 
um, where the ex-boyfriend, they tricked David to go out hunting, right? We're all screaming at the fucking TV. Why are you going hunting? Like, why are you doing this? But not only that, we're screaming yeah. it when they're like, it could oh, yeah, be we'll a push while. the ducks toward you so you can knows. shoot. It's like, dude, right? that they is do, not That, that does have a great shot where they make David yeah. carry his gun bent, right? Like, he has an we'll, impotent we'll fucking that. phallic symbol, and theirs are all fucking cocked and loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, neither here nor there. Yeah. We do need to discuss that scene, but the ex-boyfriend sneaks back home, and he breaks in, right? Violently assaults, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the lady of the house. There, I can't remember the, wife, the actress's yes. name. Yeah, wonderful actress. Susan George is the uh, actress. This scene is one that, reading up on this, there's a lot of fucking discourse about this moment, right? And the way she reacts in certain moments to the situation. I took that as this is an unbelievably horrible nightmare scenario. Something that is probably impossible to fathom the depths of how fucking horrifying this would be. So to sit there and try to judge this woman for any fucking reaction to a life-threatening experience where you are not even in control of your home or your own body, to try to pin those moments on her character as virtue signals, I think is fucking insane, right? Um, I, I think the scene is long and it is barbaric. It is fucking grotesque. Um, and so I just, the movie made me feel that viscerally. Um, you hate watching that scene. Yes. I think the choice Peck and Paul makes to bring that scene back while they're at the church. So, um, is also a wild choice to, to remind us. That this this is an assault that when you do something like this, this is an assault that happens countless numbers of times. That she is still sitting there, and as they're all churched up and they're there for a kid's birthday, the pastor's doing fucking magic. She's still being attacked. Um, and so to me, I don't watch that flippantly as a you know, well. She didn't behave the way I think someone should behave in that moment. I'm like, how the fuck could you process something that fucking tragic? Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, I... Again, I would never deign to even, like, begin to... No, but there are fucking troglodytes online that try to be like, Dustin Hoffman's the victim of this movie, and you're like, that's fucking insane. That is literally the exact opposite thing that every scene of this movie's telling you. Obviously, there are people... Obviously, there are people who are going to take that stance because that's, again, to me, what that is, is that is a very baseline film criticism stance to take. And that's also something like that means you're not watching the movie. You're not watching the the movie for anything deeper than what what like not just carnage, but like what I would equate to like same thing that Roger Ebert actually wrote in his review, which was this like Kipling style machismo, which is like, Oh, this is about a man getting his balls back. Like that's not how that, like, here's I, that a is great not example, the movie right? I watched so, at all. Again, I would like nothing more than to not talk about that moment. But within that moment, the movie is reminding us, this is not a fucking machismo movie. Right? So the ex-boyfriend, this tall strapping guy, right? right. 
is the one who is attacking her. And there are moments where she's sliding in between whatever, right? This is probably someone that she dated before, had feelings for. How the fuck could this person be doing this to me? Oh, it she's is. She's sliding in between countless it's emotions, right? The fucking other creep, the greasy-haired motherfucker, walks in and levies his gun at the giant blonde-haired rapist, right? That moment to me is... Mm-hmm the key to how I watch this movie. So this guy is the alpha male, right? He is the big brawny guy. These guys wouldn't mess with him or they're going to get a fucking sock in the mouth, right? This guy has lied to right. himself that he cares about this lady, right? That he he has some kind of weird fantasy by the right. end of the movie that he's like trying to save her and he loves her. I mean, clearly not in touch with reality. So this guy is the opposite of Dustin Hoffman. Even he cannot stop her from being victimized from another fucking dude who's got issues. The movie is telling us there's no amount of balls that you can get or no amount of fucking testosterone you can have that's going to stop these women and other people from being victimized uh, from these fucking guys that just are not satisfied with their primal urges. You know what I mean? Like they are just a threat to everyone, even the other tough guys in the club. And to me, that moment was really important. Then of course, what follows is another grotesquerie. Yuck. Uh, You know, can't really talk about the movie without that, but I think that scene of even the blonde haired guy cannot fucking protect anyone with all his fucking facade. This is really interesting. Did you ever see that movie, A Quiet, The Quiet Man? I think it's what it's called. It's a John Wayne, right? I was like, this yes. This would be such a funny double yeah. pairing with Straw Dogs. Because The Quiet Man is essentially in a big fucking strapping mm-hmm. American. Comes over and just fist fights this lady's dad across town and gets drunk until he's like, well, you drink a lot and fight in public. Uh, marry my wife. Marry my daughter. And you're like, wow, what a weird fucking fable. But I think that shit is baked into the cake, right? There are these old world mindsets about people used to think John Wayne was a heroic figure, right? Not the fucking absolute sack of shit that he was um, because of stuff like that, right? And I think I think the movie is just every right. frame of this movie to me is an indictment of that John Wayne bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean, I would go further than that. I would say the casting of Dustin Hoffman is but an But even he has some of that, shit. though, like, right? Like, it's fucking... It's a really... Yeah, but see, that's the important thing about... That's the important thing about David's character mm-hmm. is that they all have some of that. All of us do. Like, whether we'll admit it or not, like, all of us have that tendency for... Not for what we just discussed, but definitely not that. But... We all have the tendency towards when provoked violence. Like it's just, you know, and that has nothing to do with like being American or British or anything or Dustin Hoffman. It just has, it's just human nature. Like to push someone far enough where they have to defend their property to assume that they wouldn't do that to the best of their knowledge or the best of their ability is absurd. Like that is what human nature is. We defend our lives. We defend, we, it's not about, it's not about defense. It's about survival at a certain point. And that's exactly. Okay. So I want to ask you this question, right? Because I think the movie's often portrayed as 
Assault on Precinct 13, right? The Purge, shit like this, right? Survival home invasion shit. This movie makes a really interesting choice at the end of the film. David absolutely invites the devil upon his house. The idea that, so we're in this, you know, these guys are committing crimes and assaulting this household. Uh, It's the subplot of the town child molester kidnapping a girl and running away. And David is, is yes. So David Warner plays this guy who basically strangles. Yeah. He basically of mice and men's this girl. Uh, cause he's like, he's the, he's the Lenny in the town. So he Lenny's this girl and, and I, I agree. Like, this is the thing that I think is really fascinating about the home invasion. I agree. Is David invites, David invites this by being, cause there, there's like, I don't know. What do you think? 15, 20 it's chances he has to literally be like, fucking dude, hill to him. die on. He, he, he houses basically they they hit um mm-hmm. they hit Niles as David Warner's character. They hit Niles on their way back to their house and give him shelter at their house. He calls the pub yeah. saying, Hey, can someone send the doctor? So, and that's again, how the dudes I would find just out. ask anyone who wants to make movies or visual art, man, watch that church sequence. Not only her flashbacks, but how it's intercut with the images of children and the monsters. Like here like the men just say, hey, mm-hmm. uh, my niece, who I care really a lot about, enough to kill, um, she's disappeared with this guy. You, one other teenage boy, go look for her. I'm going to fucking go to the pub. All the grown men who should be helping her claim to care yeah. about her, they're going to the pub so they can get drunk to commit crimes. Right? And this girl, right. this is another one of those weird moments, right? The girl is obsessed with David, right? She thinks David is an ideal male partner. Right. Does not realize how untrue that is, right? Right. Because of that, she goes to the other man that she assumes is the gentlest in town, right? She just wants a non-drunken fucking idiot that she's grown up with her whole life. Makes makes perfect sense, right? Right. He, so she goes to the lane. They had this horrifyingly creepy moment, right, in the barn. And as he hears the guys, he kills her as he's trying to keep himself from getting in trouble. Like trying to keep oh himself safe. And it's like you strangles her. Because if Which you is are really around other watch, men who cannot just handle that they are not in charge and captains of the universe, bad shit happens constantly. So that's the setup for this, right? But that fucking church scene, I mean, that is just filmmaking power. The, the tension built, the the reminder, yes. the the om, ominous fucking foretelling. I mean, oh, God, it's. The whole movie does this. The whole movie does this tension building. And I think what's interesting is like, no, at no point does no. the rubber band ever snap back. I think that's like even during the siege. I've never I've never watched a movie where it's just like. Like you're literally like you're pulling back almost. Yeah. The rubber band. This is like the uh, (laughs) this is the, uh, you know, oh, hey, we'll have a moment where like they laugh. Right. They're sitting with the foot of their bed covered in blood. And they're like, remember that chess game? (laughs) I found the rook. None of that. None of that. You know what? You know what it actually reminds me of? It's interesting. This is 
I, I, I thought about this today when we were, when I was just like, uh, when I was rewatch, well, I was rewatching the siege part, not the rest of the movie. <laughs> Very hard to watch more than once, but I was rewatching the siege part and you know, the like tension in the moment reminded me a lot of was green room. Like there's so much yeah. of this, like it's the same vibe and the way that green room ends with those two outside, like talking to each other. I was like, we don't like, that's what green room does that straw dogs never gives you like straw dogs. Like you're right. There is no moment where people are like, oh, there is no like, De- de- like there is no decompression it's literally yeah. just like well this is after the assault like, everything about right? this is fucked up he comes home and he's like yeah i fired him today she's like wow hooray for you tiger and he goes they stuck it to me on the mortar today and i was like even that sentence is just a gut punch this movie we just totally skipped over the opening salvo was these dudes snuck they didn't just steal the panties they snuck in the house and fucking strung the cat up in the closet, hanging strung it to death. And then killed the outside, cat. Yeah. That, well, that's the moment where you're like, and then he doesn't do anything again. This has been something our society has been Come talking on, about man. ad nauseum, right? Is the, you know, Will Smith smacking, whatever. I think we can all agree. If someone fucking strangles your cat in your wife's uh, closet or whatever, right? They walk in, strangle that. In the room that you share with a married couple, you have to care enough about your wife and hopefully even yourself, man. Even you fucking bitch ass Dustin Hoffman, you deserve to be safer than people murdering cats in your house. That's not even a chivalrous like man needs to be a white knight moment. That's a hey, man, I deserve to get my fucking sweaters. That's just like a I deserve to get my fucking normal sweaters without seeing my cat murdered in the, the closet. And the, when he doesn't do that, you just know that that's how this movie goes. But, like, I would take it even further than that. Like, yeah. it's his reaction to when it He happens. doesn't tell her like, to not go into the closet. Okay, so this want, is something. He doesn't even want to fucking I feel like tell we're her. doing this thing like, where we are crazy. reacting like the men in this movie where it's like, I would as a man defend my wife. And it's like, I I can't separate that out all the way. I can tell you, I can tell you right now, I'm not reacting the way like, but a I man think this should. is important. I'm reacting though, I the way like, even people guys like us, would. right? Like, right. Tell your wife the cat is like, up dead most in the tissue soft boys in, in the group, right? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I am very, <laughs> that's true. You like that. Me just, I, I am the no. piggy of the island. I'm just gonna be like, I'm not fighting with y'all. No, yeah. I am. I am baby. I am baby. But even us, we still I have am weaker that, than like, my child's wipes. They for did sure. that to my wife. Both of our wives are tougher than we are. Right. <laughs> like, of course, it's just built in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. My wife, my. If straw oh, dogs sure. happened in my life, <laughs> my wife would actually my wife would be oh. the one killing people. Amy and be would like stone cold start murdering. Like, I'd be like, ew, ew, gross. Wipe it up. <laughs> Like, my yeah, Andre would be the one at the very. I used to be a bouncer and do MMA and all that shit. I never got over the. It just is not fun to fight, man. Like it's fun when you know the other guys fucking around. When it's like a violent encounter, you know what? I never got over that feeling like I was gonna throw up for like two hours after feeling. I 
this is a this is a real this is a thing that happened to me when I was younger. Um, I never got in a fight. Um, I was always the taller, bigger kid. Alpha Alex. This is why I never got in a fight. My mom, my mom always said you cannot get in fights at school or anywhere. I'm like, well, why? Like, if someone hits me, I shouldn't I hit the mesh? Because you can't. I said, but why? And she's like, because you're the one who's going to get in trouble. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're bigger than everyone. You're the one who starts it, no matter what. You cannot fight people back. It was from a very young your age. Your mom treated you like pit bull class. owners treat their dogs. Like, I love on. you. I know it's not your fault, but you will be punished by the law because you are a pit bull. This explains you've always been a junkyard is, dog on the train. My Alex. mother That's was very specific about that. That's this is I, but like that's what it was. But like I, I never got in fights because I knew I'd be the one who would be in trouble. Like I would be the one who would. I would be the one even if I didn't fight. I would be the one who would be in trouble because I was big and everyone takes. There picks, everyone is knows a, an element the of the end of this movie. Take away the end of this movie just has fifty fucking bizarre moments that just stop you in your track. I I do think everyone on Earth is fascinated with. Someone's coming at my house. What do I do? Right? I got a bunch of fuck. I get swords at flea markets all the time. I got my wedding katana. I got softball bats. My theories just run out butt naked and fucking start swinging on people. I yeah, like that's to be like, my theory Is that too. a diabetic pup? Like clenched between his butt cheeks? Okay. And they're like confused and I brain them, but. <laughs> I have. I have like. The, Are, we so both I have, have a Laurent wedding katana. katana from our friend Laurent. And then I have a. And then I have a I have a That'll lightsaber from Disneyland. I'm like, that's the thing I'm gonna run out of my room with because people are like, oh, no one wants to see like a horrible looking sweaty fat run out of his room. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like, and then I, I don't. Have you ever seen no. um? Have you ever seen Adventureland? With, no, I um, have seen Adventureland. That's okay. In the movie, uh, but, oh, so in the movie, um, Jesse Eisenberg is chased into the main office, and Bill Hader like, like someone's trying to kill me because of the big giant panda. And Bill Hader, uh, Chris, Kristen Wiig throws him his yeah. bat. Bill Hader comes It's the like, Michael Keaton Batman. You don't know what I'm capable of. Come out. Like that, you want to get crazy? That's what Come I out. Do. Right? That's my yeah. whole strategy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my strategy. But it's no fucking see, like, wild how fast David slips in into like, Absolutely. it's go time. I'm going to like wire tie shit. I'm going to burn. Yeah. Well, oh, no. He's David like has to go. played this fantasy out. This is like hardcore home alone. David's ready to go. He has David's ready to go, and it out. scares okay. Susan. Right? We Susan? have to get to this. Amy. Susan George is the actress. The, <laughs> the, the political jockeying at the end of this is fucking madness. So the guys come to his house. He calls the pub. What the fuck does he think is going to happen when he calls <laughs> the pub, right? A part of me always wonders if David is the one courting all of this danger, not Amy. He calls the pubs for like the magistrate oh, or the doctor. I would say absolutely. Anywho. So these guys bust into his house and he's doing the, hey, this is my house. These guys are my responsibility. He gets a real quick lesson, right? That saying it's your house on paper is fine. And the law will back you up. Ain't always law around, right? And these guys start roughing him up and they start pushing on him. And there's this extra added tension of knowing what we've already seen, right? This guy, even when they say this guy might be a fucking child murderer, 
David doesn't care because this is his house. This is mine. Um, in in the most yeah. baffling hill to die on, right? It, it, and it I, defies logic. <laughs> once they start, it defies all grabbing logic. his fucking or like breaking his house, right? Pounding on the door. Sure. Shooting. Locks. I agree. Yeah, they're like, going. It, it defies logic. Too far. All of it. But also, because this Give is the thing, I don't believe for do half it. a second like, it's not your fight that David thinks he's actually doing the honorable thing, protecting this possible child murderer, so that he can have his day in court. Like, is that how any of us watch this movie? Here's the wild part: is he's talking about? I can't remember how he says. Because the, the guys have the line to him that I think sets it all off, right? It's none of your business. It never has been, right? And I think in that moment, yeah. that's enough for him, right? I don't know if he fully understands what they're insinuating. I think he knows something really fucking bad happened, right? This is when he... They even ask him, why is this your responsibility? The I, other men, they will take that guy and leave. And there's a part of me that hears my dad's voice right from childhood. Like, if you let him bully you today, they'll bully you tomorrow. You bloody his nose. And eventually he'll find someone else to pick on. Like, that's some great outcome to the scenario. But maybe that's what he's thinking. But I'm, I mean, he knows for a fact that this guy is at least accused that a girl's missing, right? This guy could be a fucking child murderer in his house. He asks these dudes to leave. When they ask him, why is it your right. responsibility? He has no fucking answer. He turns to his wife and just starts being a piece of shit, right? Like, get out of here. If you're not going to help, get the fuck out of here. Go upstairs, take a bath. Get out of my fucking face. He's trying to protect this idea right. of family. What does he do? He tells the fucking possible child murderer, hey, man, just go hang out upstairs with my wife, who I just told to get in the bath. Go hang out upstairs with my and wife. So Good Lord. Again, I... It defies all this logic. Here's the line of the fucking would have in the situation. At one point, he's anyway. so mad at his wife because she is trying to let the guys in to come get the child murderer, right? She keeps saying, let him in, let him in. And yeah. he has the audacity to say, you really don't care what happens, do you? As if he's talking about Niles. It's not about Niles. The moment there's a line at one point, he tells her, he says, why don't you go entertain Niles, the child murderer? That's what he says to his fucking wife. As their home yes. is being invaded. There's this... Again, like, there's this thing where... And it's, like, mm -hmm. and it's Dustin Hoffman. Because Dustin Hoffman's just an incredible actor. Like, I, I, like, I, I love Dustin Hoffman's era from, like, the set... Like, 70... Between the 70s and 80s, Dustin Hoffman just, like... I, he's just an incredible actor. Like, he's always a good actor. But, like, especially when he's young and, like... This is when Dustin Hoffman, too, was, like, being always cast against type. And this is not a movie Dustin Hoffman should be in. Like, I don't know if you – I don't know if you know anybody else who was considered for this before him, but, like, Bo Bridges, Stacey Keach, Sidney Poitier, Jack Nicholson, and Donna, Donald Sutherland all were in the running before Dustin Hoffman got cast. Every single one of them. Like, those are the guys who would be in this movie, and that's what would make this movie a fucking weird – then it's machismo. Dustin Hoffman has a creepy yeah. thing. And I that's think what, that's, that's what a, that's a lucky the trick thing for them. Dustin Hoffman has this thing because I agree. Because again, like the other guys would have made this 
so much worse because that's not the kind of movie. But like Dustin Hoffman, because he's small and because he's quiet through the entire movie, but like seething with rage, that when he finally unleashes, and not only that, like unleashes in the way that like- How about just fucking smacking his wife around? He literally just becomes the monsters he's trying to keep out of his house. He's just, that's it. But like that to me is what makes that to me is what makes this movie not about like machismo, but like truly it's actually about yeah. like very toxic. You hear that saying a lot. This is the fucking film version of that. This when, is the movie yeah, that's about. Yeah, guys this is like what it this, is. they train their whole life on I will pummel something into submission. You know, it's that old like sports mindset. You push and you grind and you fucking push and push and push. And when you are a, a father yep. and you train your son to see everything and something in front of them that needs to be fucking knocked down with fist or foot or rage and you fucking get revenge at all costs, how the fuck do you think these things are going to happen? And again, in a town where we see a massive void of female presence, right? And you just see these fucking spiraling behaviors. Mm -hmm. This is the inevitability. The scene in the finale, I mean, it's just filmed beautifully, right? The ajar angles, the fucking... When they're on the stairs arguing, and she's just kind of like dead center, yeah. right? She's saying the logical thing. Why this man? Why are we going to die for this man? Every time we come back to Hoffman, or maybe he's not on the stairs, but anywho, there, I think he's hiding by the fireplace. There's like this whip no, up from his about, knees, though. and the camera's a little ajar. Showing you that he's on tilt. He's fucking out of his mind. He's yeah. he's rationalizing. This whole thing's this whole right. The whole but like she, last twenty minutes. I feel like Amy's usually set up like is. she is up above on the landing. She is making sense, and then he drags her down, and it gets grittier, and then she goes back. It's just it's wonderfully filmed, right? But there is a scene when uh, the rat catcher and the other guy are just riding bikes and laughing. That cackle. Uh, and they're silhouetted in the back, right? Is that this could just be any guy. That this is just a child's affair, this moment, right? What starts with this horrifying note of violence of right. them shooting the magistrate. Now we are just in children's games, right? This this is just like when we were kids, we used to go out in a field and we would just like throw rocks mm -hmm. at each other. And I was just like, yeah, let's go fucking play rock fight. And we would just yeah. fucking whip rocks at each other like that was an okay thing to do. That's what we're watching here. These are just men who all have something on the line yeah. and they all lie to themselves, right? I have to protect my house and my wife. I have to protect justice, right? I got to get that guy because he might have hurt my niece who I still haven't gone to look for, right? What they're really fighting over is the way right. the other men look at By them. the way, nobody goes no and one. looks and for And why this do you think woman. they just take they the extra bottle? They just want to kill this guy. Because they want to fucking dole it down so that they can lie to themselves. They're not worried about protecting anyone except for their standing in the eyes of the other men. And it's, I mean, there's even a scene when uh, the fucking child murderer grabs Amy and Dustin Hoffman runs up and smacks him. Literally just gives him the head shake. Monster within, monster without. He doesn't fucking he send him out. The guy just went after Amy. Doesn't fucking care, right? It's... It is a baffling series. And right, and then we're doing all the traps and shit. We all know the bear. Chekhov's, Chekhov's shockingly huge carrot top. Yeah, then bear it's trap. like, we then it, the, yeah. It's there a lot is, of Home Alone stuff, you know. There is a strange 
bit at the ending, right? When Dustin Hoffman pulls the bear trap down and he kills Charlie. Amy screams, Charlie! Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Dustin Hoffman kills this guy. Clamps. Yeah. Why? Here, here's my generous I take on it, because my because Amy I, I, looked at me and goes, "What did she say?" Try, and I was like, "Hey, man, my generous take on it. I don't think by the end of this film, she can tell a difference between Charlie and her husband. It's, I think they are both generous. abusive and horrible in the same way." I, I also think because they kind of intercut like Dustin Hoffman and her in bed and then the the assault. So I'm like, I think maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Here's my thing. I don't think it's the easy way, which is the um, which is like no. the Stockholm Syndrome. Argument. I think the generous think read is that. Which is yeah, the one the generous, which is the one is that she can't distinguish use. them enough. <laughs> And he has been worse to her most recently, right? The the probably more yeah, apt I mean, version for me is that this is where, when you have a lot of guys telling a story, you get this moment because it adds a little drama. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's more. For me, it's more like she's can't believe i'm gonna say this for me it's more that amy decides that that the sanctity of life that after all this carnage generous. makes more sense that is her. the most white gloved like, angel answer i've ever heard i mean god bless like i don't know how else to put it because like the worst way is yeah. the well they worst both thing run to up say, to save her from say. the bad guy like, right who's trying like, to get at her again charlie's the one who shoots him right. not dustin hoffman Right? He, in that no. moment, is saving her. I mean, th- this is all so fucking convoluted and horrible. She's a fucking victimized it's so, like, person. Well, it's just so messy. Like, like, I think like, taking her exact words and actions and weaponizing them against her is stupid. She's a fucking woman who has been through hell right. by the time this movie ends. I don't think she would have sympathy for her husband or any of these guys it, it's fucking tragic man and then this movie ends on this fucking kind of dark sequel to the graduate shot where dustin hoffman just looks so fucking proud of himself Jesus. just leaves amy in a house full of corpses to drive the child murderer god knows where i mean doesn't yeah. that kind of say everything you need to know about david though like this isn't about like it's never been about her or like her being near her family or living where she grew up or anything like that. This was a, for him to get away for his. Well, he says, right. Studies. He says, uh, the, the child but murder like, says, I don't know my way home insinuating that he thinks David is going to hook him up and drop yeah. him off. David says, that's okay. Right. I don't. And either. David says, I don't either. That moment to me is David does not. He's now done what he thought he needed to do, right? Be a man and fight and murder and best other men. Right. 
and he's fucking wrong, man. And, and he was wrong. I, I think I think that's the end of the the film's idea, right? Is this guy's in the car with a, a person who's a child murderer. He has now murdered a bunch of guys. He's traumatized his wife. He's ruined their happy mm-hmm. life. For what? So that he cannot think about his dick size for an afternoon? So that the next time someone fucking steps to me and say, hey, I bear trapped a guy. You think I'm scared of you? Like, it's so it's so impotent yeah. and sad and pitiful of an ending. Um, And I get, I mean, that's the fucking sad thing is this this movie, your, your analogy about the rubber band is apt, right? It never snaps back. There's no sigh of relief at the end of this film. Like, I think what's interesting is that this movie's climax of this siege should be should be the sigh of relief, should be this decompression, this, like, denouement. Yeah. It is not at all. It All it is is rising. This whole movie is just rising action the entire time. And then the end is literally just, like, a huge drop-off of, like, this person is not changed. Right. They're just when you watch the worst something even as graphic as I spit on your grave. The worse hills than they have were. eyes. You feel better by the end of the hills have eyes right. that those parents killed all the rapists. Right. You don't feel good about what you've seen or the fact that a girl had to be sacrificed for that. It is cathartic to then watch those guys get their dicks bitten off. Right. Like that is that is how a lot of these movies work. I think the thing I appreciate on a storytelling level is that David is so much more complicated and shitty that it gives this story an extra element, right? This is not a, there are bad guys and good guys. There is a, this is a man, that line between being a decent guy and a piece of shit is really fucking small. And it's not because we're on a farm in the middle of nowhere. It's because whatever's happening in this guy's mind, I think that extra level of psychology makes this movie just so much more interesting than a lot of its, its brethren in this thing. And again, I think because of that, I forgive it some of its more horrible elements. I don't know. I would understand totally if people are like, you know what? fucking miss me I with mean, straw dogs get it i absolutely get it yeah i mean i'm not sure i would say what's great about straw dogs is that this is the conversation we have rather than it being like this is the conversation you're supposed to have about straw dogs what you're not supposed to do is to talk yeah. about david as some victim who finally takes matters into his own hands and i think that's the really common that's the really common um, oblivious takeaway. And it hides say, in like, the visual language the of that story. You want, but I think, right, I think what's a really important thing to note is people who don't watch this movie necessarily with a critical eye. And again, I don't know anyone who would watch this movie for pleasure <laughs> if you do, like, seek help. <laughs> um, but, like, for me... Watching this movie with a critical eye, especially in 2022, it's very difficult to sympathize with David Sumner about anything, let alone like 
the most obvious thing that you could sympathize with him is like i wish she wouldn't antagonize him on his chocolate yeah honestly i'm like fucking deserves it it doesn't really matter i feel like after the years we've had i'm like you know what i don't give a fuck about space math you gotta figure some shit out in this real world your own living room is a mess how about this one plus one makes a happier marriage give your wife a walk like do something she wants to do stop being a dick give her a walk why don't you just yeah. bundle up? Oh, you have a deadline? Someone's going to be mad they don't know the fucking square root of space dust, you fucking idiot. Go fucking spend a night with your wife. <laughs> it's it's like a really specific thing, the way this movie presents itself. And so for me, Straw Dogs is an amazing movie because it elicits a reaction that is so antithetical to yeah. what I think people perceive Straw Dogs as. And that, I think, is what's really important about the movie is when you watch it, you don't sit there and just give the broad generalizations and use the broad strokes as this argument for, like, a man pushed no. too far. That is so not what this movie is about. It's not about a man pushed too far. You want a generous It's about take? a man doing exactly what he was going to do eventually. hides in the language of that to where a lot of the people that probably most need to see this fable and learn from it would never watch this movie if they actually were told what it's about. But if you say, hey, man, I'm defending my house. Will Smith should have smacked Chris Rock. Like, that guy will watch this movie thinking it's one thing and hopefully learn a very different lesson. Um, I don't know. I, I found a lot more to think about. Honestly, I was telling you, Amy was fucking rocked from this movie. I haven't seen a movie affect her like this in year like since i brought home hereditary the first time and i made her watch that amy was like fucking horrified for days about hereditary mad at me that i gave her that much fear but this one i mean she was pacing the kitchen we were having life discussions you know is that what guys want to do i'm like what the fuck no like well not like that but she's like is that what you want is you just want to dominate no i'm like not me man like i don't and like it led us to have real fucking no. like hard conversation. Like I saw the pain in her eye from this movie, and it's a lot. No, it's just I I think lot. it is what a flick, masterful filmmaking and storytelling. I don't think you can do this kind of a movie with Sam a flippant piece of shit director. But that's it for Straw Dogs. Sweet mercy, we can breathe again, guys. Um. Our, our next film is a bit of a palate cleanser, which we obviously needed. We'll be moving in uh, the cul-de-sac with Tom Hanks in The Burbs, one of my all-time favorite movie next. Uh, the rest of this month, the pod's got bad neighbors, guys. So if you have a favorite bad neighbor movie, reach out and let us know on social media. Make sure you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Pod. So you can vote on uh, the extra bonus episodes every month and hear some full-length commentaries. Uh, other projects we're working on over there. We're working hard to try to earn your money. Any money that you can contribute to the cause is absolutely appreciated. Again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. Email the show, philmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you leave us a rating and review wherever you find us. That does help us out a ton. We appreciate it. More than anything, 
thank you for spending time with us. Uh, they can't all be for laughs. Sometimes we watch some heavy movies, and it's nice to know that we got friends uh, to watch and discuss these movies with. So thank you so much for your time with this episode. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tien.